Welcome to the third episode of the Model 284 Podcast. My name is Sam Walzak, and I'm joined by Mark Richards, and we are sponsored by Wallace Carlson Printing. Today is Wednesday, March 28th, and on today's show, we dig into our model's predictions for the Final Four, and then we have an interview with St. Olaf men's basketball coach Dan Kosmoski. If you enjoy this podcast or our previous podcast, we'd appreciate ratings and reviews, and make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. With that, let's get started. So now we're down to the final four for March Madness. There's not enough basketball being played anymore. How are we feeling right now, Sam? At a loss with what to do with myself now that there's not 12 hours of basketball on every single day, but I guess life goes on. Yeah, seriously, I need I need more sports in my life. At least At least baseball is kicking off this week, so it gives us something, and then the NHL and NBA playoffs coming up. Um, but yeah, it's been a crazy March Madness tournament thus far, and it's been it's been interesting. I mean, we've stabilized a little bit with now two number one seeds making it to the Final Four in Michigan, but we still have Loyola Chicago and 11 seed making it to the Final Four. So interestingly enough, Sam here was working, or he did a My Model Monday article this week on kind of some of the biggest upsets in March Madness. You want to give a some insights into that, Sam, and give us some background. Yeah, so it technically only looks at games since 2001, since that's what I have the data for. Um, so it is somewhat limited by that. But other than that, so what I did was I took the Vegas spreads for all the games and our Model 284 spread, so just a prediction of what, what we think the spread should be, is and took an average of those two things to get a metric for kind of how much should this team win the game by and then looked at that number compared to what actually happened in the game. Um, so, like, Virginia versus UMBC, obviously the 1 versus 16 seed from this year's tournament. Um, Vegas had them favored by 20.5. We had them favored by 15. And so their average spread was 18 points, and they ended up losing by 20 points. Um, so I kind of did that type of approach for every single game and looked at what was the biggest upset. So... If you take into account that that actual margin of victory, like I just outlined, um, if you look at it that way, Virginia versus UMBC is the biggest upset of all time, um, and that that's really because they didn't just lose by one point on a buzzer beater; they just got straight blown out of the, out of the water. Um, if you just look at which game had the biggest spread but ended up losing so the the average between the Vegas spread and our model 284 spread that is Missouri and Norfolk State so that was a 215 upset in 2012 Um, but the average spread on that game was 20 points and Norfolk State ended up winning by two so um, got a post on the website where we dig in to give you all the numbers for what all those upsets are and then I go in there and try to look at if there's any trends with those teams and maybe why they lost or why they're more susceptible to lose. Yeah, it's definitely interesting because you're taking seed out of account, which you would think going into the tournament they would it would it should be seeded properly. So it's kind of interesting to see where those different um, big upsets have come at. 
Um, anyway, be sure to check that out. Now we'll give you guys a quick rundown here of Final Four matchups, what our models are, are looking at and why. And starting with that, we've got Michigan versus the Cinderella story, Loyola Chicago. Yeah, so we've got Michigan with an 83% chance of winning this game, and we have them favored by nine points. Um, they're only favored by five in Vegas, so our models are definitely pretty heavy on Michigan here. Um, uh, as far as what it likes about Michigan, they have a better offensive efficiency, offensive rebounder, rebounding percentage, and turnover percentage than Loyola Chicago. Um, so look for them to have some advantages there. And obviously we've seen Loyola Chicago despite, or what's the word, uh, defy many odds at this point. So wouldn't be surprised if they keep rolling, but we like Michigan. Yeah, they're definitely playing very good basketball right now and playing very efficiently. Um, but I think if you look at over the long sample of games, eventually their luck should probably run out is what our models are saying. Yep. In the other Final Four matchup, we have Villanova, one seed versus Kansas, one seed out of their respective regions. Yep, so this one we've got is a slightly closer game, which makes intuitive sense. But we give Villanova a 68% chance of winning, and then we have them favored by eight points. Um, they're favored by five in Vegas. Um, so again, heavy on Villanova. Villanova is, I mean, it's been the case all year, but their offensive efficiency numbers are just sky high. They're number one in Kempom by, by a wide margin. The model's picking up on that. They actually rank better in terms of some defensive metrics over Kansas as well. So um, Villanova's playing really well right now, and we like them to keep rolling. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of NBA talent. Kansas does have some veteran guards. They don't have the standard Embiid, Wiggins, freshman star, and they're kind of running that four-guard set right now, which is, is interesting and super fun to watch, and I think this game should be high-scoring and, and be fun to watch. Yeah, we saw Malik Newman kind of breathe some life into the offense there against Duke when they needed it, and he got hot, so that was cool to see. Um, as far as the, the rest of the tournament moving forward, so in terms of probability of winning the whole thing, obviously we just have four teams left, but we've got Villanova with a 46% chance of winning it all, Michigan with a 30% chance, Kansas 19%, and Loyola Chicago 5%. So still heavy on Nova. That's kind of been the case since Purdue was knocked out, but... That's what we're sticking with. Today's Model 284 podcast is brought to you by Wallace Carlson Printing. Wallace Carlson is a Minnesota-based printing company that has been in business for over 86 years and is built on delivering a remarkable client experience. Whether you need product catalogs, custom clothing, wedding or party invitations, marketing collateral, packaging, business cards, posters, or any other custom printing, you will not be disappointed by the team at Wallace Carlson, who will execute your vision to the highest standards. For all your printing needs, check out wallacecarlson.com, email info at wc-print.com, or give them a call at 952-545-1645. Okay, we are welcomed, we're, we're welcomed by head men's basketball coach at St. Olaf College and elite basketball mind, Dan Kosmoski, or... Uh, Coach Kaz, as he's probably more commonly known. Coach, thanks for taking some time to talk basketball with us today. Sam, it's great to be here. Uh, it's that time of the year where uh, you know high school just finished up with some great uh, games in Minnesota. You know, Division three has been done for about three weeks, but Division two, two weeks. So we got Final Four coming up this weekend. So it's a good way to uh, finish out the season. Yeah, it's definitely in the full swing here. Um, 
I guess we got to get this out of the way first, but uh, the Timberwolves Timberwolves are struggling a little bit now. Lost a pretty embarrassing one on Monday night to a Grizzlies team that was one in twenty three in their last twenty four games. So, Coach, do you want to throw your hat in the ring as a potential replacement oh. for Tom Thibodeau? <laughs> <laughs> you know that's a that's a that's a different level. That's a different game. That's different. Uh, you know, it's 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 not apples and oranges, but it's it's you know professional basketball is a different uh, it's a different game altogether. You know, guys making a lot of money, and, and uh, you got a lot of things that uh, figure in, and, and uh, you know, injuries are part of it. But um, yeah, it's it, you know they're 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 being uh, asked to, to play at a high level, make a lot of money. So uh, um, I, I, I be honest with you, I don't pay a great deal of attention to it. It's just college basketball is, is pretty consuming for me. Yeah, well, we might have to revisit that if, if they miss the playoffs and he gets fired. We'll, uh, we'll start pumping you up. But, um, so before we get too deep in the weeds on some, some basketball talk here, uh, Coach, you want to give, give everyone a little bit of background on yourself as, you know, time as a player and as a coach. And obviously you've been the head coach at St. Olaf for over 20 years now, so maybe just kind of talking about your background as it relates to basketball in general. Yeah, it, it, uh, uh, you know, I guess working from the, the front, working the way back, I've been in St. Olaf for, uh, for 25 years and uh, have enjoyed uh, uh, each and every year. It has different, uh, different phase, different dynamics to it, different players. Uh, you know, everybody at this level, Division Three, is... They're there for uh, to get a great education. Uh, they want to play the game that they love to play. They want to play at the highest level they can. But um, Division Three really gives you balance. It's, it's you know you're studying, you're you're looking to move on after you get through playing. And, and uh, before that, I was a, a, an assistant coach at the University of Minnesota. I was there for for nine years, and uh, I was an assistant for two two different coaches. Um, Jim Dutchers uh, was the head coach when I came, and, and when I left, Clem Haskins was the head coach. So I was one year with Coach Dutcher and, and eight years with Coach Haskins. It was a great experience. Uh, learned a lot uh, in regards to many different aspects of the game. And, and again, uh, Division One is, is a little bit different than Division Three, but uh, it was a great, uh, great ground preparing me for being a head coach. Um, there, uh, you know, you're dealing with scholarship players, and I think that. Uh, Today, I think a lot of guys, uh, a lot of players that are playing on Division One teams, I, I think they, many of them envision themselves playing uh, some type of professional uh, basketball at one one level or not, whether it's the NBA would be the dream or, or playing overseas. And, uh, um, you know, that was different than, uh, than when I played. And, and uh, I can go back into the mid-70s and, and the team that I played for, you know, half of us knew that we weren't going to play in the NBA. And, and even at that time, the NBA was just, it was just sprouting its wings, you know. It was uh, a transition from uh, um, being making a living uh, uh, playing basketball, but most of those guys back in the late '60s and early '70s were still uh, had other jobs as well. So the money really wasn't that, that prevalent at that time. But um, before uh, before Minnesota, um, I was at uh, Golden Valley Luther Junior College, and I was there for total of five years I was with Steve Dove uh, for three years and I was with Flip Saunders for two years and and again we we had a good team we, we had a chance to win a national championship one year uh, well I wish I could knew the, know the date I think it was 81-82 or 80-81 um, we went to the, the national tournament uh, undefeated and uh, 
Blip was the head coach, and myself and Ed Prohofsky were assistant coaches. And wonderful journey. And again, seeing uh, players at a different level, a junior college level, a uh, different perspective altogether because these guys were were hopefully moving on to something bigger and better. You know, they were there for two years and moving on to maybe a scholarship program, Division II, uh, Division uh, Division One. We had uh, players at, at all levels move on, and uh, and even obviously Division Three. So, uh, and before that, uh, I played at the University of Minnesota, and uh, and before that, I was at Owatonna. I'm from Owatonna, Minnesota, and uh, it's kind of the the basics of where I came from, Sam. It's a good, good, well-rounded background there. Did Flip, did Flip take a bigger head coaching job the year after that national championship? No, uh, Flip joined. Uh, he joined the Gopher staff. I think that was in '82, and and they did win the Big Ten championship. I, I want to say it was his first year. I think it was 1982. So Flip was there from '82 to to '85, '86, and uh, I was there with I was there with Flip for one year. Uh, when he was an assistant. So the assistant coaches were Jimmy Williams, Flip Saunders, uh, Bob Batisti, and myself. So, Gotcha. Yep. All righty. Well, now fast-forwarding a little bit, Coach Kaz, and bringing it to present day, you want to give give us a little recap on how St. Olaf was this year, how you, how you guys finished, and kind of highs and lows of the season? Yeah, it, uh, uh, you know, uh, every year presents itself uh, something new, Sam. It, it, uh, you, you're going to lose players. And, uh, you know, when you lose players, uh, they're going to have probably be some value, and you're going to wonder how is everybody going to fit in. And, and we had uh, a core group of five juniors this year, and, and we had three first years, three sophomores, and, and a lone senior, uh, Robert Tabak, Taboxen, and who ended up being one of the better players in the conference so uh, you know we were picked seventh and you know I don't I don't follow many years in the past uh, four out of the last five years I think we were picked anywhere from fifth to eighth and we finished second for the for those five years so you just got to be cautious in regards to where uh, people are going to pick you is that um, is that other coaches picking you or media yeah, or? okay no that's that's just the, that's just the coaches we have a poll at the beginning of the season and everybody gives an idea in regards to where you're going to be with, with what you, they think you've got coming back. And, so and, you, you uh, pick the Oli's first every year then, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can't, we can't vote. We can't, we're not allowed to vote for our own team. Okay. So, uh, that's probably you know, fair. And, that, and that's good. I, I, you know, St. John's was picked one and, and, and they finished one. I mean, they finished 23 and two and, and good team. And, you know, Sam, we, we started out, our very first game of the year, we uh, uh, went to Stevens Point, and they are all, always uh, a solid basketball team. This year, they made it to the Sweet 16, and we we started out. I think it really set the tone for the year. We held them to 45 points on their home court, wow. uh, beat them. So, so that was that was how we started the season. And uh, uh, you know, non-conference game, our non-conference schedule, I think, what ended up helping. Uh, the always get into the NC2A tournament was the challenge of our, our non-conference schedule. We played uh, um, we played University of Wisconsin River Falls, University of Wisconsin Eau Claire. That Eau Claire finished real well uh, last year, and, and River Falls was uh, you know they thought they were going to get to the NC2A tournament this year. We played Mankato Bethany. We beat them, and they won the UMAC. They ended up beating St. John's in the first round of the NC2A tournament. So. 
Our non-conference schedule was good. We finished four and one in our non-conference. And uh, um, is that something that you've tried to you know play a more competitive non-conference in years where you know you might have a shot at making the national tournament, or do you just try to play a competitive schedule every year? Yeah, I just play a competitive schedule every year. I think you know the goals in regards to we want to get to the national tournament. You know, our our, our main goal, Sam, is just to win the next game. And it sounds very cliche, it sounds very, but our goal is just to win the next game. And uh, um, every year, uh, probably about seven, eight years ago, maybe even more than that, ten years ago, we, I really decided to make a move, a conscientious move, and start playing the uh, tougher teams. And uh, um, it's obviously you know, year, worked out well for you. Yeah, last year we played Whitman and Whitworth out there. I don't know if that was smart. We lost both games, but they were ranked number one in the country and I think number seven in the country. So next year we're going out to play Whitworth and George Fox. Whitworth was is going to be a top ten team in the country again. So, you know, that that's important. That's important. And uh, our conference season, I think we started out uh, three and two and, and – uh, uh, we lost to uh, Gustavus uh, at Gustavus, and uh, we, we, I, I can't even recall. I think we got we got beat McAllister and, and uh, um, St. Mary's, but uh, we lost one of our starters uh, the second game of the season, Nate Albers, and uh, he didn't play for the following nine games. So we, we went into Christmas, I think what were we six and three or something like that, and. We came back uh, in January and went up to Bethel, and uh, it was one of those games. Again, we're playing without uh, one of our starters for probably another four or five games, and, and everybody just pulled together, Sam. Everybody just it was a very unselfish team this year. Um, I don't think anybody uh, was looking uh, in regards to being selfish, uh, regards to scoring points or rebounds. Everybody was in it for the team. And uh, I think when you take a look at uh, our stat this year, if you wanted to look at uh, any stats, um, we led the league in assists, and about 70% of our scoring came from a pass. And that should tell you a lot. But backing up, we went to Bethel, and, and we, we beat them on their home court. Had there been a last shot with about six seconds to go. And that kind of that kicked it. And uh, we were just able to kind of catch wind and we started playing good basketball. We won we ended up winning nine in a row, and uh, as each game went on, we lost a we won a close one at uh, at Augsburg with five seconds to go. You know, we're down both those games, uh, Bethel and Augsburg. So, yeah, it was a good little some, good little streak yeah, in the middle of the year there. What's that? That was a good win streak in the middle of the year you guys had. Right, right, and and we we just built on it. You know, we we ended up uh, beating. Uh, uh, St. Thomas uh, at St. Olaf, and, and we beat St. John's at St. Olaf. They had two losses, and we just caught wind, and we ended up finishing second place, ended up getting the first round by, and uh, played on our home. And, and, you know, looking back at the at the, the breadth of the season, um, had we had beaten uh, um, uh, University of Wisconsin-Platteville. And they uh, went on to win the whole thing, didn't they? No. Run, uh, they, they lost, lost and, right? Yeah, yeah they lost. But had we had beaten them, we would have got St. Olaf. We'd have, we'd have had, uh, we probably would have had the, the recent game at St. Olaf. And oh, that would have been never, cool. Oh, that would have been that would have been fun. But yeah. that's, that's kind of the recap of the season, and, and it was a, 
it was one of those years where expectations were just focus on the game, and, and that's what we did. So, um, well, congrats on another good year. Um, it's yeah. always always great to have have a good team and see you guys in the national tournament. So keep it going. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll, we're definitely going to work at it. Good, glad to hear that. Um, yeah. So moving on here, I guess. So you've obviously obviously been around the game of basketball for a really long time. Have a really wide perspective on things. I guess especially in recent years, there's just been kind of a movement in the way the game is played. And I guess from your perspective, um, how has your coaching strategy changed in, you know, I guess in the last five or so years, but also just overall in your entire time as a coach, how has your coaching strategy changed with kind of the evolution of the game? Yeah, it, uh, um, you know, the, the, the basis, especially in regards to the defense has, has been core throughout all my years. Um, in regards to, you know, how you're going to defend, putting pressure on the basketball. You know, you have to decide in regards to uh, uh, what your what players you have on your team if you're going to extend it defensively or stay in the half court. But we've always just, we've always worked to, to have good pressure on the basketball, um, protect the basket, keep, keep teams out of the paint. And, and that's been real consistent. Offensively, uh, things are always changing. I think when you uh, travel around the different conferences, uh, different regions in the country, you're going to probably find a little bit different style of game. Uh, we played, three years ago, we played three teams from Ohio that all averaged uh, over 30, 35, three attempts a game. And that's really not, that's, uh, you know, that was the dynamics of their, their league. And I know that's a real uh, up-and-coming type of strategy in regards to taking a lot of threes. Um, do you and, do you switch your defensive strategy at all when you see a team like that coming into play? Or are you kind of sticking to your kind of core base still? No, I, I you know we adjust our defense every game, and uh, in a sense of um, you know can, can we you know how are you going to keep teams out of the paint? Um, you know, it's doing a lot of switching. You know, in college basketball, can you you know if you switch, it makes it more difficult for for players to penetrate and you're seeing a lot of three balls even in the NBA you're seeing a lot of guys shoot, shoot threes because uh, someone's able to break the defense down drive by them and kick it to an open player so if you can eliminate some of those uh, some of the penetration and uh, again it depends on what they're running on offense but you know our, our defense our, our core is the same but we do adjust it game to game it's an adjustment you got you got to know who the players are you got to know who their style is, and if there's someone particular you need to focus on, or, or and you know the team that we played uh, in the NC2A tournament from Texas, they never um, from the games that I watched, they never had a lot of teams uh, switch a lot, and they never had anybody front the post before. So that's something that we we adjusted. Uh, I think we have one of the better post defenders in the uh, in the league, and Frank Delaney, and. Uh, uh, their post player was one of the better post players in the country, and he just held his own, and, and it created a lot of problems for them. So, how about but, um, how about on offense? I guess are you yeah. um, running more plays to create threes, or does it depend on what players you have on the floor? Or? You know, I, I don't know if the, the word plays. Uh, I think we we run a motion offense. We have some structure in our motion, so you give players the freedom to to. to to play the game, but in the same breath too, you got to, if you give them some structure, uh, I like to think the offense is being a dance where, you know, five pieces are moving. If someone's moving in this direction or if there's a screen here, 
that uh, that everybody else is, is is moving with them. So if someone comes to help off defensively, uh, you know the offense knows where the you know where they're going to be looking for the ball. So uh, um, you know our offense is, is kind of been an, uh, uh, an evolution in progress over the last five or six years. Uh, what we what we try to accomplish in our offense, um, which I think has been you know it's been pretty good. I, I want to say. Three years ago, I think we were number one in the in the country, and well, we were number one in the country in assist to turnover ratio. I think that was in fourteen fifteen, so that may have been four years ago. But anyway, it, you got to have the players to 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 make those numbers. You got to have the players to run the offense. And, right. And, uh, I think what we do offensively is is good, and and it's it's not deliberate in the sense that we're going to try and pick out three threes. You know, we're going to you know if if you're open. You know, like I said, seventy percent of our, our our scoring was came from a pass, right? <laughs> yep. You know, and, and you're seeing a lot of you're seeing a lot of dribble drive offense nowadays where it's just one on one basketball. Yeah. And if, if 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 someone shuts someone down and someone's open, so they're look they're going to look to penetrate and find. They're going to look to penetrate and find their open man. Um, so kind of, I guess, moving along with the evolution of basketball, I think we've seen a lot in, at least I've heard a lot, of like changes in AAU basketball and high school level. Do you have any comments on it? Like, I think I've seen a, personally seen a lot of just like news about um, players playing an incredible amount of games or not having good fundamental skills, um, at least in, you know, United States basketball. So, do you have any kind of comments on um, those level of play? Since that's kind of what you're recruiting from to come to St. Olaf. Yeah, I, I think there's like anything else. There's 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 uh, pros to it, and there, there's some some negatives to it. And, and the pros being that you know back when I played, you know, most schools in Minnesota they locked the gym doors uh, for the summertime. Literally lock the doors, put chains on <laughs> the doors, and uh, so and and you know you were pretty much geared in regards to playing other sports as well, and and the dynamics of AAU have, have changed that. Um, you know, you're you're getting guys who are playing basketball now; they're playing all year round. And uh, again, the, the the positive of that is is they're they're getting better acquainted with the game. You know, they're 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 learning the game. They're 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 in a gym, and, and the only way that you're going to get better is by repetition and being in the gym. But um, in the same breath, you know, uh, they've played so many games. You know, I think I played 100 games, Sam, from the time I was in fourth grade to the time I graduated from high school. And these kids nowadays are going to—they're playing six or seven hundred games. Right. And uh, you know, if you don't if you don't learn the good habits when you're young, then you're just reinforcing bad habits, and that's that to me is. Uh, probably some of the negative uh, in that regard. So uh, um, um, you know, maybe they're they're um, need to work on their skills more. But uh, by the time that these young men get to the college or even the pro level, you know, the one and done uh, players, you know, you you aren't going to change their you aren't going to change their game that much. I mean, if you're a, if you're not a good shooter, you know, you can work on it to become a better shooter, but you just aren't going to change. After in all these games, if you if that's something you need to work on, uh, so right. your habits your habits are good or bad habits. But uh, you know, the, again, the positive is is you take a look at the the quality of players coming out of Minnesota every year, 
know, there's a lot of players coming out, a lot of Division One players back in my era. You know, if there were three or four that they were coming out, that was about it. So, uh, you know, and, and it's getting a little bit more exposure, no question about it. Definitely. But in, the, but in the same breath, too, a lot of these kids, too, get exposed, you know, where, you know, coaches find out, you know, they, that they what they can't do as well. So it's uh, – there, there's arguments for both. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's, 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 it's good and, it, and it's challenging at times, no question. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess – so one thing we wanted to ask you, are there, so as far as, you know, I'm assuming most of what you guys have access to as far as stats go is just your typical kind of box score statistics. So are you are you using those to measure like player team level performance or kind of setting benchmarks where you tell your team, you know, we're trying to get 10 offensive rebounds every game and you're kind of tracking that during the game? Are you doing anything like that? No, uh, I again, I I think, you know, boy, Sam, there's there's stats, and I guess you could go to the NBA how how thick stats are. They can break everything down throughout the game, and and uh, you know the bottom line is you have to, you know, if you're not rebounding the ball, you can see if someone's not rebounding the ball. I don't need to see a, have a stat tell me that this player is only, you know, it, it's. Uh, you know, and you're not going to make an adjustment during the game and say, you know, guys, we need to get to our 10 rebound. You know, you you just got to keep working with your players in regards to the skills that they can do. And, and uh, you know, you're playing hard, play to win the game. But uh, um, statistics are, are important, no question. But, you know, because sometimes in the MIAC we play three games in a week, you don't have time to sit down and, and uh, there's not six assistant coaches at Division three level you know, you take a look at the NBA. They got they got six guys on the bench with a notebook, and in college they've got four or five guys. Right. They have the time, and and there's a lot of software, wonderful software out there. We're we're the league, uh, uh, the Mayak League, and and most uh, colleges around the country are Paul are a part of a uh, group called Synergy. That uh, all the games after all of all our games are sent into a library after. Uh, when we play and they're broken down in the next day. And I mean, they're broken down into very, very specific categories. So, so is that it, like a, like a, a play by play of, of the entire game or is it like an expanded break, box they'll break, score? They'll break. If you wanted to the next morning, if you wanted to look at all your, your, your turnovers, uh, you could do that. If you're going to get ready to play the next team, you could look at all their offensive rebounds, all their defensive rebounds. You can look up each individual uh, what they did did with turnovers. So I mean, it, it goes right on down the line. So it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a big help when it comes to you're you're not fully staffed. You know, it's almost like having an assistant coach. So right. Um, but I'm 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 more conscientious in regards to to looking to see what the teams are doing and and what we need to do to beat them, other than you know being over analytical with the uh, with the stats. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, Coach Goss, I think you've been kind of known for having kind of a rigid rotation of players, meaning kind of like a set amount of minutes when you're rotating every single game. Could you kind of speak to how you're rotating players and the different lineups you roll out and kind of some of the theory behind it? You know, every game takes on a new face. I don't know in regards to if I, I don't have specific minutes in, in mind. I, I 
you know, years ago, four or five years ago, we had the luxury of having 17 players, and of the 17 players in the team, we had 14 that were really that, that we could go with that we were really deep, and so we had the luxury, you know, five six years ago of you know we had one of the better players in the conference playing 23 minutes a game. Uh, you know, we were beating teams by uh, by a number of points, and we had the luxury to to sub more. And I think when the game, a lot of teams now, if you got if you have depth, I think the smart thing to do is use your depth. Uh, you know, you want to wear teams down and you want to win, look to win games in the last 10 minutes, last five minutes of a game. And, and everybody's going to play hard the first half. You know, most college games, most games are close the first half. And what separates everybody else in regards to, you know, maybe they do have the depth. But Sam, I just think it's a game to game feel. Um, you know, if someone is, is uh, you know, we had uh, one of our players this year uh, was six of six from three. He hits, uh, and might have been seven for seven. I don't know. It was a lot, wow. and he didn't, and he didn't miss. So, would you take him out of the game? I think you got to leave know, him in there. <laughs> you know, so you know, everybody. Uh, it's it's the season's a long season. It's hard to sustain. It's hard to, you know, everybody says, well, why can't he do that the next game? Well, you know, that's you, you can't. You know, it's right. just part of part of college basketball so I think you just get a feel for what your players are I don't have you know I don't go into each game and saying this guy has to play 30 minutes or 35 minutes uh, uh, I think the team knows you know we had Robert Tabroxen was voted the fourth best player in the league this year you know and uh, we needed him on the floor you know and, and, right. and certain players you're going to need on the floor more than others and, and you might have a position where you're, you've got great depth at the guards and you're not as deep at the post or deep at the floor or whatever so you know it's it's just pretty much for me it's a game to game uh uh decision and, and a lot of it too depends on uh depends on the teams you play and 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 what type of players they have yeah obviously as you mentioned the nba is kind of a different animal but do you have an opinion on you know tom Th- tom thibodeau gets a lot of criticism for running his players into the ground and i think Butler and Towns and Wiggins are all probably in the top 10 in minutes played in the whole NBA. I guess do you kind of give him the benefit of the doubt and say he knows what he's doing, or do you kind of have yeah, a problem he, with that? Believe me, he knows what he's doing. I'm, I'm not. This guy, you know, it's, uh, NBA professional is completely different than, than what, we're, what we're looking at. That's, that's 82 games, and, you know, you know the coach is uh, uh, is an excellent coach, and he knows his players. He knows what uh, he know knows what he can and can't do. And, and you know, uh, coaches get a chance to see their players uh, in practice every single day. And sometimes the public doesn't always see that, or, or you know, people don't always see that. So uh, uh, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't, you know, want to comment on, on Coach Thibodeau's uh, what he does. It's again the NBA. That's just that's a completely different game yeah. than college. Yeah, generally I, I agree with you. It's just time and time again to just see all these stories about him getting criticized for it and then Butler gets hurt and, and I don't know. But I, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, he probably knows best. He's getting paid millions of dollars to do it, so he better, right? Um, yeah, it, 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 you know, and the game, the, the NBA game has changed uh, so much, you know. Uh, uh, my uh, former... Uh, boss Clem Haskins, uh, he was the, oh, what was he? I think he was the third player picked in the NBA draft in 65, 66, and he made $13,000. Yeah. You know, back in that era, those guys, 
they played hurt. There was no team doctor. Yep. There was no there was no trainer. There was just guys that were playing, and and uh, if you wanted to get paid, that you, that you played, and and you know the 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 and and a lot of those older guys, I'm sure, have paid for it in their health uh, uh, throughout their years. But it's a different era where you know you, every team's got trainers, every team's got uh, uh, fitness trainers, every team's got doctors, every team's got a nutritionist. Uh, in fact, players on their own probably have their own nutritionist. You know, so. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they do. It, yeah, it's it's a lot different. Yep. It's a lot different, yep. you know. All right, well, let's let's end with this. We got the final four matchups on Saturday. We got Michigan playing the the Cinderella Loyola Chicago and then we've got um Kansas playing Villanova on the other side of the bracket. Um what do you what do you think about those matchups and who do you who do you like to win? Oh boy, you know, uh I I I watched some of the games and and uh um you know, I, I, Chicago Loyola is, is uh, right now, it's not just the fact that they're a Cinderella team. They really they play good basketball. Yeah. And uh, you, you take a look and see what they're doing at teams, against teams. Uh, um, you, know, I, I, you know, not just the fact that, that uh, they're, they're not as, uh, 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 they don't have as high a seed. Uh, I, I really like them. I, I, you know, Kansas has, uh, I guess, uh, uh, been a, a a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I know you know you knew that they were always good, but here they are in the final four. And, yep. Uh, team from Michigan, and, and in all honesty, Sam, I haven't had uh, with recruiting and everything. I haven't really sat down and analyzed the teams in regards to players, so I can't give you any feedback there, other than the fact that uh, uh, yeah, I know the uh, Villanova coach Wright's a, a, an excellent coach, and, and he that team is fundamentally sound. I think that. Uh, you know, you, you, you'd have to look at, at Villanova and, and, and uh, you know, I like Chicago. So uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm a, I think Mark and I are big, big Villanova fans. They, they, uh, lot to like there. Um, and I guess um, St. Olaf probably likes to hear that you're, uh, got your nose down recruiting rather than <laughs> watching the, the tournament. <laughs> so know you're a yeah. busy guy. Um, but, yeah, that's 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 all we have for you. So thanks for coming on today. Really appreciate it, and good luck with with recruiting and all the the many many basketball games yet to be played. Well, it's 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 been a, a pleasure. I know uh, uh, your time and Mark time and Mark's time at Saint Olaf uh, uh, was uh, was a great experience for you, and uh, I'm, I'm happy you guys are are. are uh, doing what you're doing right now and, and, and searching and trying to uh, trying to uh, uh, analyze the game a little bit and see if there's any trends and, and so on and so forth. But I want to thank you for having me on, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one, Coach. Okay, thank you.